Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. We're cracking open the post bag today to have a look at some of the lovely voicemails you've sent us. And our first call is from Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So take it away, Jason. Hey, Hannah and John. Just listened to Thursday's listener feedback episode. Great episode. Way too much, Jason. Reference the puzzle box thing and where directors or writers have totally lost their audience in that. A good example of that would be the Highlander films, at least the second Highlander film, um, which is funny because the ba- you have Highlander, which, you know, Sean Connery, and you have Immortal sword fighting. And then you have the next film where they turn them into aliens from another planet and everybody hated that but that was the original backstory that the writer had come up with for those characters it just, so when he published hey has you know has the next movie with the original backstory everybody flips out because they didn't like it which is kind of funny um so yeah even if sometimes you need to listen whether your original story you like it or not sometimes you need to listen to what the fans thought the other thing there is twin peaks after twin peaks tv show ended and even after the movie firewalk with me there are all kinds of fan theories that actually work and then when lynch came back and did twin peaks the return or whatever he called on showtime a couple years ago you know he totally shat on all the fans theories and did what he wanted but i think part of that was lynch trying to you know give the middle finger to the fans a little bit anyway but anyhow my 90 seconds is up so talk to you later hi jason absolutely agree with you on uh, that for the highlander series (laughs) (laughs) that's an instance where i think a bit of prep in the first movie a couple of bits of foreshadowing to that might have made it less of a like sort of out of the left field thing when it came in in the second story um i think as well like uh, what what jason's talking about is uh, it's become very trendy in films at the minute to like try and subvert people's expectations well, hasn't it? yeah that's it and that's one of the things that i hate about mystery boxes you present somebody with a mystery they solve it and then you go oh it wasn't that anyway i've changed my mind it's that sort of you give somebody a box and say there is something inside that but i'm not going to give you any clues as to to what it is and then they have time to think of something amazing in the box and you're never going to have worked out like what their amazing thing is you're not darren brown <laughs> it's uh, agatha christie the uh, mystery writer used to be famous for it set up these mysteries well like, the idea is like it's a whodunit so you're trying to work out who's committed the murder and then you get to the end and you'd be like it must be this guy because there's no way it could be anyone else and then they'd be like oh but what about their lost twin brother from austria mm-hmm. who's never been mentioned and the, there's a lot of ways to sort of cheat which technically you know that that's fine but it doesn't result in a satisfying experience for the audience exactly and that's what you have to focus on for that sort of thing if your audience is going to enjoy your mystery box you best make sure there's a good prize in there once they've solved it and if they're not going to enjoy the mystery box don't put it in to start with yeah couldn't have said it better myself thank you very much for that call jason we've got a few more from jason and later on but we're taking these in the order we received them so let's see who left us the next voicemail hello john and hannah i just wanted to say thank you so much for that episode on elaborate backgrounds uh i agree with almost everything you said i think um yeah if you want to write fiction write fiction and if you want to play rpgs play rpgs um i always like the way the black hack handled backgrounds advising characters to keep things to no more than two sentences in fact i found that as the character progressed um uh, went up levels um i was often required to add additional information to that background and i ended up with a fifth level character with six 
sentence background and frankly I thought that was too much and I thinking about it I don't think I ever used the mechanism that allows you to make a re-roll or roll with advantage once a session by uh, connecting what you were trying to do with your background um, because I was far more wrapped up in what my character was becoming you know how they were developing as opposed to what they used to be that was of course Spencer aka Free Thrall from the Keep Off the Borderlands podcast thank you very much Spencer and yeah I've got to say I pretty much uh, agree with you dude I think a small concise background is what is required I don't think you benefit from having a massive voluminous background and I'm I'm absolutely in agreement with you that my focus whenever I play a game is the the story or the 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 adventure is what's happening now at the table it's not some fan fiction that I wrote about what happened before the actual game started the most exciting thing that the characters involved in should be the game because that's when I'm actually playing them absolutely although one thing that I would add to this whole thing we've been talking about with character backgrounds yeah. is that something if you do want more detailed background for the characters in your game it can make for a really good like first session setup session oh yeah like to do this as a group with the whole group gives people an opportunity to bring like character bonds in earlier and you've got all kinds of different ways that you can do that um a system that i always quite like for its character gen if nothing else was Everway, oh, which yeah, yeah. was like late nineties. Yeah, we've got most of it in a box somewhere, but we lost it's a load of the parts. But um, that had a system of basically you've got a load of cards with questions on the back. On the front of the card is a random piece of artwork and the questions will be like, who's the person in the foreground? Who's the person in the background? And you'd come up with a scene from your character background that had that image in it somewhere. And it's just a good introduction to that narrative storytelling style of the game. On the page where they have the, um, the picture... There's like a word at the top, which is like a positive word connected with it. And no, that's the other cards in the game because it ran uh, off its own tarot. Because see, I, 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 <laughs> I mainly remember because of the artwork, there was a card called Drowning in Armour and it's like a guy in yeah. ancient Greek armour sort of like going under the water. Yeah. And I think it was like Prudence and something else. I can't remember what the uh, what the other word was. But I really like the idea of like, depending on what way up there were, it was a positive or a negative. Just a bit of an idea generated, to be honest. Exactly. And those sort of ide- idea generated are really useful for a lot of things in games Um, but yeah if you want more detailed backgrounds make them with the whole group and the GM and play through it it's a lot lot more fun yeah and I might be going out on a limb here, but personally, I think all that stuff could apply to settings too. I want to discover the world through playing in it. I don't really want to read extensive information about the setting. Uh, I'd much more prefer doing it through exploration and um, yeah if a setting can be made up just from a few bullet points I'm uh, all for that anyway thanks very much I'll speak to you soon take care yeah couldn't agree more Spencer thank you very much for those messages 
But it looks like Spencer's got a little bit more to say on the subject of mystery boxes. Go ahead, Spencer. Hello, John and Hannah. A great episode on mystery boxes there. I don't think there's anything wrong with mystery boxes per se. Uh, can be extremely useful. I think the problem lies with how J.J. Abrams um, utilises them. Uh, I was a big fan of Lost, actually, although all the um, criticisms directed at it are completely legitimate. But um, as a source for hooks, um, I think you can't beat it, really. I mean, the, the also the fact that the solutions the writers came up with were um, less than satisfying uh, just made it all the more fun reading through uh, fan theories and stuff. I mean, the crea- creativity that kind of uh, the show led to from uh, third parties writing and speculating about what might be going on. It's some really interesting stuff stuff there and I think that's why it would lend itself to RPGs uh, quite uh, successfully because uh, you know let the players come up with the solutions thanks again cheers Spencer and yeah absolutely right my bias against mystery boxes is definitely coloured by my bias against JJ Abrams and what he did to Star Trek <laughs> yeah as you know Hannah's quite passionate about that uh, but yeah I think you're absolutely right mystery boxes can be yeah, used well. They are a very important part of the storytelling mechanism as you say. I think my point I don't know if I got it across properly in the episode was more that what is inside that mystery box has to be worth what the players put into looking for it or solving it. And Yeah, you don't want it to feel like yeah, it's a climactic after you've struggled to get it. to it, do you? Exactly, and I think that's something that J.J. Abrams in particular suffers from, which is why I used him as an example. Thanks again for that, Spencer. But wait, who's this I see riding through the forest glade, dappled by sunlight with his golden locks flowing in the breeze? Why, I think it's Goblin's henchman. Hi John, hi Hannah. Um, Just listened to your unicorn episode. I always think it's interesting when people do a topic like this that, you know, you think you you know it all, but when people start talking about it, you know, interesting things, nuances come out. So thank you for that episode. A couple of observations. I think the the weird unicorn with the red head and the kind of multicoloured horn, I think that is definitely from a manuscript. I think it was covered in another... Uh, I heard heard that read one time from in a different uh, podcast. It was from a text, an old one. It might even be in the Monster Man, um, a Monster Man episode. But anyway, uh, that's definitely a, an ancient uh, uh, kind of a historical thing. Uh, pelicans. I thought that was interesting about eating its breast because I recently saw something on. Um, on Twitter, where pelicans can push their spine through up through their throat, if you like, to help them cool off. So it really looks like they're kind of, it looks very abnormal, but maybe that's where that, that myth comes from. And um, as for unicorns themselves, um, I uh, once toyed with making a monster which was like the anti-unicorn, like an anti-paladin. Um, it's on my blog somewhere, Goblin's Henchman, WordPress, just, I guess Google it if you're interested. But I quite like this idea of, uh, you know, it looks like a unicorn, but, it, you know, there's some telltale, telltale signs that give you a hint that maybe isn't. Um, it has some sort of, I think I made up some, like, nightmare lineage. You know, they had hot hooves and a weird smell. Anyway, um, yeah. Cheers for that, Goblin's Henchman. Uh, really glad you enjoyed the episode. As you say, whenever we do these ones about, like, uh, creatures that we think we know quite a lot about... Yeah. Something we've not heard of always comes up, and I'll certainly take a look for that medieval manuscript because I do like a bit of illumination. Yeah, Cheers! It's one of the nice things, isn't it? You know, when we're sort of doing this, when we do a bit of research, we find things out. I mean, I know for 
my last Midlands game, I created a variant unicorn called the Gloomicorn, because obviously Gloom Gloomium's a big thing in the Midlands, and sort of like, oh yeah, it's been tainted by this like Warpstone-esque thing, and sent the players off after that, because like, only its horn can like break a curse that one of the player characters is under. I know, stereotypical, but I love the classics, <laughs> what can I say? Anyway, I think Goblin's Henchman has got some more ideas on our episode concerning graveyards, so mm-hmm. take it away. Hi John, hi Hannah, it's Goblin Senshman here. So I listened to your uh, interesting episode on graveyards and I had this idea and I can't decide if it's a, a good idea or a terrible idea so I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you to decide or at least uh, maybe you can ponder on it. Um, but I was wondering, you know how nearly all campaigns, or not all, a lot of campaigns start in a pub. <laughs> I'm wondering whether a campaign could start at a gravesite, you know, all the new characters are assembled around and they're, you know, maybe giving um, comments or pause or whatever it is, you know, I can't remember the, the right word is when you say nice things about people who died, you know, maybe one of their fallen comrades and they can all talk about what it, what that person meant to them, you know, and if it's if it works well, you might immediately generate a narrative about you know, avenging them or, you know, something like that. So, yeah, I don't know, sort of, you need good players. You know, obviously it might be hopeless with, like, everyone, like, scratching their feet going, yeah, Derek, he, he was all right. Uh, 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 yeah. Or it might be, you know, something really great. I don't know, just, just throwing it out there. You, know, you could then go to the pub if necessary, if it really falls flat, say, right, and then you convene to the pub to, uh, you know, for the wake, and then something kicks off. Anyway, just an idea. Cheers. Bye. So thanks for that, Goblin's Henchman. Uh, he's certainly given us a couple of ideas that oh, yeah. we might chew over on a later episode. Um, I've never been in a campaign that started in a graveyard, but I've been in a couple that have restarted in a graveyard after a TPK. That's does right. that count? <laughs> I don't know if it does, but I mean, yeah, me and Hannah have been talking about it, so you've certainly provoked some discussion amongst us, Goblins Henchmen. And yeah, we're thinking perhaps maybe in the future we might do a few sort of like little mini episodes that are like ways to start a campaign in different places that you might not expect and i think we could certainly do graveyards amongst that so very much thank you for that idea and hopefully in the not too distant future you'll see something related to this and you can maybe give us your opinion on what you think about how we did so that's it for this voicemail episode apologies if you left us a voicemail we haven't got round to it we did have quite the bulging post sack so we're going to be splitting the voicemails down into a couple of different episodes but we'll get around to them we promise if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime you can leave us a voicemail message on speakpipe there'll be a link in the description of this show or you can send us an email the address is podcast at gmail.com until we see you next time take care stay safe and thank you for all your lovely messages bye